Hello, my name is Alan Swan and welcome to The Outer View, a show all about the art of media interviewing on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Uh, welcome to episode 6 of The Outer View podcast, a podcast all about the art of interviewing with myself, Alan Swan. Now, uh, episode 6 is today with a guy called Sereni Rao, who uh, is behind the unmistakable creative podcast. Um, I suggest you go and download it on iTunes. It's really great. And Sereni's done over 600 interviews with uh, a, a, a huge range of people from authors to ex-cons to uh, artists. He's brilliant. And the podcast um, can sometimes be short. It can be sometimes long. It's, it's a really, it's a treasure trove of insights from people in the creative industries. Um, so it's called The Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Um, so in this podcast, Sereni uh, has kind of changed the way I'm thinking about doing this podcast, actually, um, because the podcast becomes uh, chat not only about the art of interviewing, it goes into a little bit how a little bit of how he got into what he does now. And um, he's got a really interesting story. So it veers off in a little bit of the podcast about his life and how he nearly gave up on doing the podcast, books, writing and so on. And he'll get more into in depth in the actual podcast itself. Um, but it's making me think about how we approach doing this podcast and how best to get the information about the art of interviewing out to you because this is why you've downloaded it in the first place. But in this podcast, uh, he talks about how not coming from a traditional media background has been a huge advantage in doing his podcast and how he does his interviews. How not everyone should start a podcast series um, and why silence and those pauses, those silent pauses, can be your friend. Um, I hope you enjoy my conversation now with Sereni Rao. Your podcast is a fantastic treat for uh, creatives around the world. And I suppose one of the reasons I wanted to interview you on this podcast, The Outer View, was that you bring a different style to interviewing because the people that you interview are, are, are very complex people um and how do you, how how would you describe your style um do you mean my my style as an interviewer yeah um i guess really it, it's more conversational than anything else right like i'm not looking i i, I don't go in with a, a scripted list of questions like it's it's much more spontaneous than than that you know i i really don't know how any conversation is going to go and i think that that's what keeps it interesting yeah and do you find that um, having this conversational style, is it more difficult to get the guest warmed up or, you know, what way would you start a kind of an interview with a person in that respect? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, again, you know, it's easy for me to say that I've done this 600 times. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I've got a lot of experience at it and a lot of work has gone into it. So. Um, I, I don't necessarily think so. I, I think that, um, you know, that conversational style uh, is just one of those things that happens as a natural byproduct uh, of, of who I am. Uh, I think that, you know, probably the biggest sort of useful piece of advice I could give here to anybody is that um, you don't go into a conversation and put somebody on a pedestal, right? Like mm. you don't hold them in a higher status than yourself because then you, you know, you kind of become fanboyish and starry eyed. And then I, cause I know, cause I've done that as well. I think when you kind of see yourself as an equal to the person that you're interviewing, you're able to get a lot of things out of them just cause they're successful, just because they've done all these crazy things. It doesn't mean they're not human. Um, I think that that's what I'm always looking for is, is really sort of showcasing the humanity of each person and making them seem relatable uh, to the average person or to, to somebody who's listening. One of our former guests, Laura Parfoot, who will be a, a very well-known BBC producer, said that before the interview even begins, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tone of your introductory email to a potential interviewee is, is very, yeah. very important. 
Yeah, I think that's actually a really wise piece of advice. Uh, you know, so there there are a few things that I think I have working for me. Right, is that I've got a credibility already uh, that I can you know infuse into the initial email. And you go and look at our iTunes reviews. You know, five hundred plus reviews. Basically, yeah, even former guests will say that you know these interviews are unlike any of that I've ever done, you know, and, and most people can attest to that. They'll say, you know, this is very different than every conversation I've had because um, I've talked about things that I've never talked about before. And, and that's really consistent across um, almost anybody that we talk to um, is that we're just able to get a level of depth. But I, I think that's a, that's a really, really wise observation um, that, you know, your start that that does kind of set the tone for the whole thing. And do you feel, Srini, that, you know, uh, it's to your advantage that you didn't come from a traditional kind of media background, as in, you know, radio broadcasting, print journalism, yeah. TV? That's a that's a really good question. Uh, you know, somebody is people have asked me something along the lines of that before, and I, I actually do think that that has been a significant advantage because I don't had I, I didn't go into it with any preconceived notion of how it's done, right? Um, so I've had as a, as a byproduct a lot of time to develop my own style of doing things, my own way of doing things, my own sort of approach to to interviewing people. So I, I you know nobody taught me to you know sit down and you know some people uh, say that media interviews are designed to be short and to get soundbite answers. You know John Acuff, who I had recently on the podcast, said these are really long answers. He said, you know, they tra- say in media training, you're supposed to give sound bad answers. And I told him, I'm really glad they're really long answers. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of, I think, a byproduct of not having been formally trained uh, in any setting. And do you feel that the art of interviewing is dying as a result of that media kind of soundbite culture that's around at the moment? Because it, it seems to be the byproduct of, you know, PR companies having too much control over an interview process and not allowing interviews to breathe. Do you think the art is dying and that there's only very few people who have the opportunity to do kind of long form interviews? That's a, that's an interesting question. I don't know that it's dying necessarily. I think it's just manifesting in very different forms. You know, you've got podcasts, you've got people with their own web shows. Um, I think that's part of the reason these formats are so appealing is because there's no crazy high production cost, and um, you know that that's what's happening. As, as you know, that's why I think you're seeing such a surge of surges of podcasting. And you know, I don't think that everybody is a phenomenal interviewer. Like I, I, I think the the notion that everybody should start a podcast is ridiculous. Um, that's like saying everybody should be a public speaker or everybody should be a writer. Well, there's nothing that everybody should do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's you know, but I don't know that it's dying. I just think it's taking on a very different form. Like it's you know, I, I don't think TV is is really the place for a long form interview, with very few exceptions. Yeah, um, let's go back. Let's go back to the the very very beginning. Do you do you remember your first interview? Yeah, I do actually. It was a guy with a guy named Josh Hanagarni who uh, runs a blog called The World's Strongest Librarian, and he specifically told me he said, "Don't underestimate where this is going to take you." Right. Um, <laughs> and I never forgot that. I mean, it was it was you know uh, wise words of wisdom. I mean, it was kind of like for some reason he could see something that I didn't. I really didn't think much of it at the time, but I also remember it now being very informative in my decisions. And when you were preparing for that first interview, was there anyone that you kind of? decided that you would listen to, look up to, read no, about? No, no, not at all. You just got stuck into no, it? No, not at all. Yeah, I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to interview this guy who's a blogger. And, you know, I got a few compliments on it, but I, I didn't really make much of it. But, you know, I think that as uh, one, one of the early, early um, influences in my life was a guy named Sid Savara, um, who actually was responsible for the co-founding of the podcast. And he actually sent me an email saying that, you know, you've he basically joking. We joke that he likes to say that I'm a terrible writer, uh, especially now that I'm you know getting to do a book with a publisher. But he actually said, you know, you've got really, you've really got something with this interview thing. That's the thing that makes your work stand out. Um, he said it's not your personal development writing, and he said I think you should really run with it. I think you could really, you know, the interviews you've already done are like hidden gems. So he ended up helping me launch, you know, what started out as Blogcast FM and become Unmistakable Creative. Mm. So you know, I think that the 
the real sort of lesson here is, is messengers in our lives, right? Certain people come in and they give us messages and, and, you know, we can choose to do something with those messages or we can choose to ignore them. And in that case, I, you know, I, that was very, very informative. I, and I know because I, I immediately went and bought the domain. I mocked up a first version of the site and I sent them an email back and said, is this what you had in mind? And he was like, oh my God. Um, I said, so let me know when you want to get started. And he un- unintentionally came along for the ride. I, he didn't, he didn't, he meant that I should start it, but I dragged him along for the first two years. And so, um, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude for that because he had the foresight to see that I was onto something. Yeah, because what, what I really admire about you um, is that, you, you know, you did write an article on, on, on Medium regarding that you nearly quit at one stage, that even though you'd done a yeah, ton of interviews. Yeah, that wasn't very long ago. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, that wasn't very long ago. T- tell us a bit about that. that. Because really, you know, from the outside, from an outsider like myself looking in, you know, you see huge mm-hmm. success, loads of podcasts, mm-hmm. loads of fantastic content. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it nearly all ended for you. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, you know, we were at a point last year where we'd gone from sort of extreme high of success to an extreme low of, of a business struggling, you know, partners bailing. Um, and, you know, just a lot of a lot of things that, you know, for me kind of sent me into a tailspin and a, a spiral of, of pretty bad depression. And I've written about this in, in the upcoming book. Uh, but it was, you know, a moment in which suddenly, you know, we'd gone from, you know, a blowout success of an event's sold out to sponsors to suddenly, you know, a partner bailed out, uh, who, you know, was going to be on our team, uh, you know, uh, an event that, you know, we canceled the, the same event, you know, close to being canceled, uh, you know, sponsors not renewing their contracts. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it wasn't like we were dying, but the, 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 you know, the option was put on the table, you know, from a mentor, he said, so, you know, he said, you kind of have like three options. He said, either you shut the whole thing down and call it. And he said, and you go find yourself a job. Mm-hmm. Um, he said to do it on the side as a hobby, um, or continue. Um, and, you know, persist. And so I kind of was like, you know, I mean, after five years, what the hell, you know, what's another year? Uh, what does it matter? You know, so I mean, but but to be honest, I was really thinking that, that this is it. Like, I'm, I'm done. Like, it's, it's you know, we're going to declare this a failure. And, and, you know, I think there's a, there's a difference between failing and giving up. But um, again, you know, I think that appearances can be deceiving because, you know, what do we show the world? We don't show them the the challenges that we're going through, the struggles. We show them all our highlights. That's that's not, you know, you don't sit around on Facebook uh, talking about, you know, feeling depressed or suicidal or any of those things because it's inappropriate. You know, yeah. it's like these are things to be contained to a therapist office. Um, so I think that, that that's, that's really the big part of it. Um, it's just, you know, I, I really felt that it had all fallen apart and uh, that, you know, it turns out is not true. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for some reason that post really resonated with a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize it was going to, I just wrote it and thought, okay, what the hell, let's see, you know, what people say. Um, so, so I, I was kind of amazed because I think that it was, you know, the, really the difference was two months, you know, the, in that, in the time that I almost quit and the time that I continued, my public my editor came back to publishing from her job at Skillshare and found me and asked me to write a book, yeah. uh, which, you know, is, is kind of a major tipping point in career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it. I think that every one of us at some point or another, if we're going to do really big things, are going to feel like that. It's not, I think the the idea that it's, it's perfect and that your life is going to be free of problems that, you know, you're, you're going to be smooth sailing at any one time is that, that is a fallacy. Mm. Um, I think created by people who think they haven't reached a certain level. It's sage advice for, for people listening to this podcast that I, you know, that, that have texted or sorry, had tweeted the show and emailed me uh, from radio, broadcast, um, print mm-hmm. and so on, that you in an industry like this, you really have to persevere and push ahead. I think your story is, is a great yeah. story of, you know, that you can't give yourself infinite time to work on something mm-hmm. like, you know, I think that the point that you made in the piece that you wrote was that you sometimes you have to limit yourself to a time and say, look, I'm going to give this X amount of time that it just can't be. 
right. a, a wing and a prayer. Yeah, um, yeah, really. That's that's a good way of putting it. I mean, and and the thing is, is there really a way to say, okay, this is when you should quit? Mm. And, you know, that's different for everybody. I don't know when that is. Um, so that that's that's one of the harder things. Is there's no there's no saying of, of no. I can't tell you. You know, okay, if you if you quit now, uh, you're giving up. Or if you you know give it two more months, that you just never know. You know, and and that's that's really. Uh, there's really no no right answer to this question. Yeah, exactly. Well, and on, on a positive note, you've got the book. When is the book going to be released? The the book that you're writing. So the book comes out. Uh, funny, you should ask. I'm I'm literally working on it as we speak. That's what I've spent the morning doing, and I'm stuck on a section right now. Uh, it comes out in August of next year. So I'm, I'm literally working on uh, the next deadline, which is next Monday. So this whole week is going to be spent working well, on the book. Well, I, I only take a few more minutes of your time. And by the way, uh, what part of the world are you in? I'm in Southern California. Ah, very good. Uh, we're in, uh, in windy Dublin at the moment. We've had probably the worst weather mm. for the last year. It's absolutely horrific. So uh, I'm sure the weather's a bit nicer there. It definitely is. Very good. Now, back to the, the, the art of interviewing. Um, you mentioned in former interviews that you've done that listening is vital, that it's really, really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it absolutely is. And I, I think, you know... Uh, there's something that, that I found, I, I think that maybe this is the most useful sort of practical piece of advice I can give people is that human beings have a natural tendency to want to fill awkward silences, uh, you know, it, because it's uncomfortable. Mm. And Robert Greene talks about this in The 48 Laws of Power. And, and you know, in that sense, it's it's sort of manipulative. But in, in the sense of an interview, I think that when you don't say much and when you resist the temptation to uh, fill an awkward silence, people become a lot more vulnerable and they open up a lot more and they share a lot more. And I think that that ends up becoming very powerful. Like if you've listened to an unmistakable interview, you'll, you'll notice there are moments when there are pauses and those pauses, um, you know, if you're listening, are like, wow, this is really long. And I know in those moments, I'm like, okay, this is a long pause, even if it's 10 seconds. But I realize in those long pauses, what's about to happen is probably the most profound part of the entire show. Uh, and that to me has been a, a big, big lesson in terms of listening uh, is not to fill, you know, not to, re- to resist the temptation to fill uncomfortable silences. Yeah, because I suppose if this was a conversation where, say, I was in California right now, and I wish I was, um, mm-hmm. sitting in front of you, I wouldn't feel the urge to, if I could see your face, if I could, if I could you know, read the body language, that you were, you were contemplating mm-hmm. something or you were about to open up on a huge topic whereas I think if you are doing an interview where I'm in one part of the right. world and you're, you feel like oh I better jump in here mm-hmm. yeah it, it, you know and that again I think that comes from uh, it's a sense that I've developed right over a long period of time like just to, to be intuitive uh, about all of that I can kind of sense where a conversation is going to go or you know uh, that I'm in one of those moments um, who has been out of the 600 interviews and you don't have to name names but have, have there been any yeah. instances that have been quite difficult that you found or or found a kind of a, a line of questioning to get you out of a cul-de-sac say uh, for instance that a guest is giving you very much yes well, no answers so here's the thing I'm I'm pretty ruthless about uh, interviews to the point where I won't publish something if I don't like it or I'll just right. call the interview in the middle of it um, I don't continue conversations that are going nowhere uh, and I'm even willing to tell a guest that I don't care who it is. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, and most people I don't think are crazy enough to do that. But to me, I'm not really doing something to insult the guest. I'm thinking about it in terms of, you know, serving my audience. Like I had a, a best-selling author once and I was amazed after all the media appearances he had done, how horrible he was at being interviewed by me. And so I told him, I said, this just isn't working for me. I, I just don't think it's, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's going to work. And so, I mean, at this point, I'm really good at filtering who who actually makes my cut. Uh, and that 
that in and of itself is a whole art form. Yeah, because we have a lot of people from the from the public relations industry that's, that listen into this podcast. And, the, you know, mm-hmm. this is something that one of our past guests, Jeff Lloyd from Absolute Radio, um, gave out about. He was saying that it really irks him that public relations people don't prep their guests or prep their clients enough for the for the specific show they're going on. Um, so they, they kind of yeah, write yeah. a one rule for all press release that goes out, as opposed to if uh, uh, that, that author knew the style of podcast that he was going on. On, that he could prepare mm-hmm. some, you know, that he that he on his side could do some research and be ready for the line of questioning that you would be giving, as opposed to putting him on, say, a, a generic show where he was going to be asked generic yeah. questions. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that's often, you know, people kind of know, you know, what they're getting themselves into with me uh, is that you know this isn't going to be your standard interview, mm. um, and you know that that's kind of that that sets the tone right from the start. How much research do you do? How much time would you spend on say if you were preparing for for a guest how much how much uh, graft would you put in? So I think this is going to surprise you hardly any. Um but that's, you know, I am unusual in that I might read their about page um but beyond that not much else. Uh <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so uh, so I, I tend to read, you know, I'll look at their about page. Um, and in some cases, I don't do any research because I want to, I mean, to me, the interview is the research. That's why we're able to go in such depth, you know, like I know, you know, what I want to know about somebody. So, uh, you know, by the time they, they, they get to my radar, they've, you know, obviously passed through a lot of filters and I, I you know, have a pretty solid sense for what this story is about. But um, I, t- I tend, you know, I tend to, 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 stray, to stray to the side of not much research. And that's a, a delicate balancing act, right? It, it varies from person to person. Hmm. Um, like if it's somebody I know has been interviewed 200 times on 50,000 podcasts, I try to avoid, uh, asking them questions they've been asked a thousand times. And sometimes that requires a bit of research, but overall my research process is minimal. Because, you know, for, for people who haven't heard your podcast, and I recommend that people uh, get the unmistakable creative, it's it's fantastic because you go from everyone from researchers, it's quite a potpourri of people that you get to talk to from, mm-hmm. from ex-cons yeah. to graffiti artists, best-selling authors and so on. So I suppose mm-hmm. in, in a sense, you know, th- that is a style that suits you. Yeah. I mean, I like people who have fascinating stories. Like that's why I think online marketers are boring to talk to because I don't want to talk about online marketing. Um, yeah. You know, and that's just not what we do. You know, somebody, if people tell me that they're like some sort of online marketing specialist, I just, I don't see any reason in talking to them. There's no, no story there. Like, but my, you know, my entire thing is I'm driven entirely by story because, you know, we're wired for that. And so people, uh, I think have a much more, a much higher tendency to respond to stories than they do tactics and information. Um, you know, I, I said somewhere once that, you know, your story is, uh, information is a commodity, but your story is not. And, you know, to really understand that I think is, is essential to, to thrive in the world that we are in today. Uh, tips and tricks when it comes to the art of interviewing. One of our past guests told us this this great little trick that a biographer used on him where he was, if he was going to go to an interview that he would bring props with him. So say for instance he was interviewing somebody about the Beatles. He would bring an old say ticket stub to elicit memories mm-hmm. from, from that interviewee. Have you got any kind of little tips or tricks that, that are a little bit different that, that you've used in the past? Boy, that's a, that's a you know, since I don't do any of my interviews in person, yeah. um, I'm not sure that I have anything quite like that off the top of my head. Um, this is going to sound like a weird one. Don't listen to other interviews that people have done with them. Right. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, because that will tend to taint your questions. Um, you know, you'll you'll end up asking 
it's it's funny because you think that that will prepare you by by not asking you know questions they've already been asked before. I don't listen to a lot of people be interviewed on other podcasts. Like somebody's like, oh, you should listen to Tim Ferriss on this podcast. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to listen to Tim Ferriss on that podcast because I want to create you know conduct my own version uh, of a conversation with him. And I know that if I I listen to somebody else interview him, it'll it'll totally screw up everything I'm doing. Mm. And what do you and talking about people like Tim Ferriss, who is has become a phenomenon in in podcasting in that type of long form interview. And I suppose in one way, Tim has got the advantage of having access to really high profile guests. Um, so, you know, having high profile guests gets more attention, gets more people to listening to the podcast and so on. But do you think there's something that Tim does in his podcast and in his, in his style of interviewing that's a little bit different? Is there anything that you think stands out the way Tim does it? Um, I like... I like the fact that he goes really long. I think that's that's unusual, uh, you know, in, in that he lets people talk and he goes for a very, very long time. I mean, he does bring in a lot of, you know, similar questions that he asks a lot of people. But I like the fact that he goes for a very long time. That's that's unusual. And, you know, you have to have a lot of patience to listen to that. But I think that's that's also what makes it special. And the thing is, like a Tim Ferriss conversation is evergreen. And I think that that's something that we have also, uh, you know, accomplished at Unmistakable Creative is that, you know, the conversations on Unmistakable, ah, Unmistakable Creative will be as useful to listen to two years from now as they are today. Mm. Very much so, very much and so. And that's, you know, um, like I want things to be timeless. Um, and I think Tim does a good job of doing that. Absolutely. A final couple of questions. And thank you so much for, for your time, Srini. It's um, a pleasure to My talk pleasure. to you after being such a fan of your podcast. Um, is there any uh, books or any sort of um, uh, articles that you've been able to send to people to help them in their line of questioning or in the art of interviewing that might help them out if there's some journalist friends of yours that you said, Do you know what, you have to read this book. Boy. It's great. Uh, the Art of Interview, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene um, is really a book about communication, I think. Uh, that's absolutely essential. Uh, in my mind, like I've learned a lot from that book um, in terms of how to navigate a conversation, and, you know, how to control a conversation. Thank you so much, Srini, for, for coming on the show. There's some absolutely brilliant nuggets and tips there for, for people listening in. Uh, is there any other podcast that you could recommend for people listening into the outer view that you would think, you know, they should listen to these podcasts or these radio shows or these broadcasters who are just on their game? They're just fantastic. Who should they listen to? Uh, the Off Camera Podcast by Sam Jones, I think, is phenomenal. Um, he interviews a lot of celebrities and he does a really, really amazing job getting brilliant nuggets out of them. Uh, there you go. That's my chat there with Serene Rao. Um, I really enjoyed that and it's made me think about this podcast and how I'm going to go about um, doing the interviews and what these interviews are going to be about. And, and I suppose if you want to send me any comments, you can tweet me at Alan Swan, A-L-A-N-S-W-A-N. Um, I'd love your thoughts on how we're doing this podcast. What would you like me to talk about? What questions would you like me to ask my subjects? Is there anyone you think I should interview? Uh, so do drop me a tweet at Alan Swan, A-L-A-N-S-W-A-N. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Outer View for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about The Outer View at alanswan.com. <laughs>